0: these next three Wednesdays starting tonight, we are launching a new series called Mind Control. Everybody say Mind Control. And when you say Mind Control, you conjure up these crazy images of like electrodes screwed into your brain and somebody like manipulating you from behind a glass wall and controlling your thoughts and your thought patterns. Mind Control is probably not often used with a positive connotation. It's probably not often used in a positive way. Uh, But there is an element of mind control, if you will, that is not only biblically appropriate, but is biblically mandated. We are charged in Scripture to think thoughts that honor God. And I don't know a better way uh, when we planned this series to, to kick off the year along with our prayer and along with our fasting than to refocus our minds as we kick off the year on thought patterns that honor God. Our text for this series, each of these nights, is going to come out of Philippians 4.8. You know the Bible is so full and so rich. We could spend, and we will spend, the next three Wednesday nights on this one verse, dissecting this verse. It's so full and rich, we could spend more than three Wednesday nights on one verse. Can you imagine how many years you could spend studying the 66 books of the Bible and never exhaust all of the truth that's in there? The word of God is rich and it's it's full of life. But Philippians 4, 8, our text for this series, it reads like this, a, a, a verse that many of you know and could probably quote, or some of you maybe have at least heard of. Finally, brethren, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. In other words, control your mind to think on these things. Let these things control your mind. Now, for some in our world, if you used Those words as a filter, those simple words in that verse as a filter, those concepts, those eight concepts, truth, honesty, justice, purity, loveliness, good report, virtue, praiseworthy. If you use those things as a filter for everything we thought and everything we said, there would be people with very little thoughts and very little speech. <laughs> because it wouldn't pass the test. Mind control. Thinking thoughts that honor God. Now, thoughts weave their way in and out of our mind throughout the day and, and we can't stop the thoughts completely. From the very first moment you're conscious, in the morning until you close your eyes and go to bed, and sometimes even long after you close your eyes to go to bed. You're generally thinking about something. Your, your mind is going on something. Have you ever felt like you could not turn your brain off? <clears throat> Anybody ever wish there was a switch, like you switch the light on the wall? Anybody ever wish there was a switch that you could turn your brain off? Sometimes you're tired and you want to go to sleep, but you can't go to sleep. Why? Because you can't turn your thoughts off. Or you wake up in the middle of the night and you want to get back to sleep to maximize the rest of the night. But has that ever happened to anybody else? But you can't go back to sleep because it's hard to turn the thoughts off. Thoughts, sometimes they're random Garden variety, everyday kind of thoughts or musings. You know, maybe you're thinking things like, "What a what a beautiful day! I, I should get out and get some sun today." Or in today's uh, or yesterday's weather, I should get out and get some rain and cold today. <laughs> or maybe I need to go clean the car today. Oh, I, I forgot to add oatmeal to the grocery list. <laughs> or maybe they're maybe they're deeper, more complex thoughts and considerations. I wonder what my dog is dreaming about. (laughs) When am I going to set some long term goals in my life? (laughs) Some deep things. Maybe your thoughts are filled with deep thoughts, spiritual thoughts like, Did Adam have a belly button? (laughs) Or deeper spiritual thoughts like, I wonder if my wife is still mad at me. that's real deep and real spiritual. <laughs> Did you say you were? No. I, thought, I didn't she she answered that. I wasn't intending for this to be a, that type of response, but do you guys mind if we just work something? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you 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 think thoughts and, and you can't turn them off and you can't get away from your thought life. Studies have examined The thoughts that we think. And uh, specifically, there was a study done by a group of psychologists from Queens University in Kingston, Ontario, which uh, monitored how many thoughts we think. They hooked hundreds of people up to MRI brain scans and did this intensive study over a period of months where they uh, detected... The transitions from one thought to another. And they trace the transitions to try to figure out how many thoughts we think a day. Anybody ever wonder or anybody maybe have a guess at how many thoughts the average person thinks a day? Now, while they couldn't trace the content of those thoughts, there's no way medical technology can... Examine your mind and know exactly what you are thinking about. But with MRI technology, they're able to trace the, uh, they call them thought worms, the passages, the transitions in between two distinct thoughts in the human brain. And on average, they found that the average person thinks 6.5 distinct thoughts per minute. Not sure what that half thought is about, but 6.5 distinct thoughts per minute. That's like one every 10 seconds. That's a lot of thoughts. That's If you're awake for 16 hours and you sleep a solid eight hours a night like they say you're supposed to, that's over 6,200 thoughts per day, distinct thoughts that come through your mind. No wonder we're so tired. That's a lot of thinking. You're thinking even if you're not trying to think. If you only sleep seven hours a night and you're awake for 17 hours a day, that's over 6,600 thoughts. If you sleep six hours a night, that's over 7,000 distinct thoughts a day. Another study indicated that 8% of the things, 8% of the things people think about are legitimate matters of concern, but 92% of the thoughts that come in your mind are things of either little concern or that you have absolutely zero control over. How many think that's probably an accurate statistic? That a majority of the thoughts that come into our mind are things that we have no control over. Uh, another study suggested that as many, of, as many in some people as 80% of their thoughts, now this was not as scientific of a study as the MRI study, but this is where they had people uh, trace the, the thoughts as well as they could, a, uh, a group of people uh, over an extended period of time, and they found that as many as 80% of thoughts can be negative That's a lot of negativity. The Bible is very clear, setting some parameters about our thought life. That that what stays in our mind eventually comes out in our life. You've heard the phrase before, you can't keep a bird always uh, from landing on your head, but you certainly can stop it from making a nest in your hair, right? We can't always control a thought that may be a passing thought, but we can have some mind control, according to the Bible, over what we dwell on in our thoughts. And we have to understand that what stays in our mind, what I allow to occupy my mind, will come out in my life. Proverbs says it like this, Proverbs 23, for as he thinks in his heart, so is He. Our mindset will affect not only the condition of our heart, but our mindset, our thoughts will affect the condition of our life. For for the most part, the life we have, whether we want to own it or not, is a reflection of the dominant thoughts that we think. If what the Bible says is true, this is not pop psychology This is not man's idea. Before psychologists ever started to figure this out 2,000 years later, the Lord already was writing it in his book. God already had it figured out. That the life we live is a direct connection to the dominant thoughts we allow to occupy our mind. What you think will determine what you become. Now, there's extremes to that, obviously. You say, well, you know, I mean, if if somebody's not very intellectual or bright, uh, they're probably not going to be a nuclear physicist, no matter how much they think about it, right? That's not exactly how this works. But it's the patterns of thought in our minds that produce activity, action, and situations in our life by our by the production of those thoughts uh, turning into behavior. That's what the Bible says. If, if you think you can't, you probably won't. If you think you can, you probably will. If you dwell on your problems, I mean, come on, lift your hand if you have any problems in your life. Okay, the rest of you are either asleep at midweek or you're a liar. We all have problems. But if you dwell constantly on your problems, they will overwhelm you. But if you look for some solutions, you'll find some solutions. If you constantly feel and talk like a victim, you're gonna become a victim and you're gonna stay a victim. But if you believe you can overcome and be an overcomer through Christ Jesus and you think overcoming thoughts and speak overcoming words, you're going to see that victory reflected in your life. Whatever attitude in our life we develop, it passes first through the door of our thoughts and the door of our mind and the thoughts that we think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts determine in a large measure what we become and what we produce in life. What comes into our mind comes out in our life. What we allow to stay in our mind will stay and come out in our life. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that evil thoughts or bad thoughts or negative thoughts defile us. They defile us. And there's numerous verses in the Bible that reflect this there in your handout there in the book of Mark and Proverbs and Matthew and 1 John are just a handful of the scriptures that let us know that the thoughts that we think can defile us spiritually. Now, the Bible lets us know that the eye is the primary means uh, that that we receive internal or external information, excuse me. uh, The eyes are the primary means that we... Allow information to enter the mind, the eyes, and, and followed closely as well by the ears. They, it's, it's what we see and what we hear that stimulates our thought life. For this reason, uh, Jesus called the eyes the light of the body. And, and, and the lust of the eyes is one of the major struggles and temptation sources according to the Word of God. Luke 11 says it like this. The lamp of the body is the what? Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. That doesn't mean if your eye is good like you got 20-20 vision. <laughs> Thank God for that, right? If it meant you had to have 20-20 vision like that kind of good, then you know some would just be stuck being bad because there's nothing you do about that. But, It's talking about if you allow good things into your eyes. If the eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. In other words, what you let in through your eyes and, and, and by extension our ears. And, and, and you've heard me uh, explain this before and teach this before so I won't go into great detail here but what we hear matters as well because what we hear paints pictures in our mind just like what we see. What we see, I don't have to paint a picture. If I see a a, a yellow dog running across, I don't have to paint the picture of my mind. I've got a picture of a yellow dog. But if you tell me, hey, there's a yellow dog outside, before I even see it, I've just heard you say it, I'm going to get a picture of a yellow dog in my mind, right? So the eyes and the ears are connected and, and they inform the thoughts that we think. So to a large degree, what we allow in to our eyes and what we indulge in our eyes and our ears shapes and reveals our spiritual character. What we allow, let me say that again, in through our eyes and our ears continually will shape our thought life and because it shapes our thought life, it will reveal and it will produce our spiritual character. We cannot ingest. Profane and vain things and expect to maintain a positive thought life. You cannot look and listen to profane or vain things, be it media, be it vain conversation, hello, and expect to maintain a positive thought life. You will have no control over your thought life. The enemy will exercise control over your thought life. Now, I'm going to submit to you that another biblical principle that is powerful for the thought life is that replacement trumps resistance. Thought replacement is better than thought resistance. Let me me explain to you what this means. And, And here again, for a large part, Modern Secular psychology And the modern secular perspective On mental health The good part of it Has been straight up robbed From biblical principles and teaching It's not something that they created The, the stuff that's good The stuff that works It's all in the Bible It's all in the word of God It's all principles of, of scripture The emphasis on the thought life That we find in our text Philippians 4.8 Hear me It is an, if it's in, it's uh, an emphasis on a thought life that is offensive, not defensive. He says, he doesn't give us a list of what not to think about. But he tells us what we should think about. In Philippians 4.8, Paul does not list and condemn all the ways of wrong thinking. Though the Bible does condemn specific wrong thoughts. Follow me? It's not defensive, like don't think these thoughts. It's offensive. Think these thoughts. It's not telling you what not to think. It's telling you what you should think. It doesn't say get the thoughts of violence and sex and immorality that are in your media Get those thoughts out of your mind, though the Bible does teach us that principle. But the Bible also teaches us that we should replace thoughts, that we should think about these things. You can't just have an open mind, a blank mind, though some people have tried. Some people's minds are so open their brains have fallen out of their head. But what it does, it doesn't mention negative thinking, but it tells us to think positively. Instead, the verse emphasizes the importance of right thinking, positive thinking. That is not an accident. That's intentional. It's the intentional biblical process of renewing the mind. That's really an idea of replacement. It's the principle of of replacement the way that i renew my mind is not just trying to get bad thoughts out the way that i renew my mind is intentionally putting good thoughts in it's not just defensive against the bad thoughts i've got to be offensive with good thoughts i've got to intentionally put good thoughts in my mind that's how i let the spirit exercise mind control in my life this, this is the reason some some people struggle breaking free from sin Or some people struggle breaking free from harmful behavior patterns. Or some people struggle getting real freedom in their life. Or some people who are just absolutely, now I'm sure there's nobody ever in the history of this church that's ever been just overtly negative. So just pretend that somebody's going to watch this online or listen to this series in the podcast and it's going to bless them. Just smile like I'm teaching to somebody that doesn't exist even ever in the history of this church. Okay? There's a reason that some people can't overcome these unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy tendencies or even sinful behaviors or negative thought patterns in, in, in their life. Be, because for some, the first response is to try to stop it. It's defensive. Stop it. Stop thinking about this. Stop looking at that. Stop drinking that stop viewing that on your phone stop going stop doing stop thinking and speaking and so they they defensively try to stop they feel the condemnation or the guilt of of sin and but but that condemnation or even if it's conviction which is healthy that alone does not bring deliverance most people who are doing wrong, they know they're doing wrong, especially us here tonight. Like if you came to church on a Wednesday night in January and you're doing wrong, you know you're doing wrong. Even if you're so stuffed up with pride, you can't admit it. You know when you're doing wrong. I know when I'm doing wrong. We, we know when we're doing wrong. And, and most of us, when we're doing wrong, we've tried to stop doing wrong. We've tried to stop that behavior, stop those thoughts. But, but our, our, our personal efforts at reformation, they, they, they fail sometimes. Why? Why do they fail? <laughs> Jesus explained this in Matthew chapter 12. He tells a story of an unclean spirit that had left a heart. This unclean spirit had made a home in this person's heart. And when he left the heart, when the unclean spirit was cast out, the the house, which is a metaphor of the heart, was decorated. It was restored. It was refurbished. It was put all back together again. And when the demon returned, I don't know, I guess that, I I don't know where the demon went, but he went away maybe to 7 Eleven for a Slurpee, and he came back. And when he came back, he found this newly refurbished house that was all clean, all put back together in better shape than he left it, but it was empty. And so he goes back and gets seven more demons and says, hey, party at the newly remodeled house. And replace the word demon with thought and or behavior or action and You get it out on a Sunday service, you clean it up, you repent, you feel better, but if you leave the space unoccupied, you're in for trouble come Thursday, or Tuesday, or for some Monday morning, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because he got more demons and came back. And Jesus said this. When Jesus told this story, he said the state of the man in the end was way worse than it was in the beginning. The point of this story is that religious reformation does not bring about spiritual transformation. You cannot rely on just coming to church to change your life. Should you come to church? Yes. Thank God for everybody who's faithful to the house of God. Good question to ask yourself is if everybody else had my commitment level, would we even have a church? Well, I don't want to digress, but if everybody else was as faithful in giving as I was, would the church even still be open or would it get repossessed by the bank? (laughs) If everybody attended church on my attendance schedule, how many services would we have three people in? Just showing up and sitting on the church chair does not transform your life by itself. It doesn't alone change your mind, change your heart, change your destiny. You can't just change because, because you come to church. That that won't make you. the The key, if you just come to church, but but the... The unclean spirit still has the key to your heart. Guess what? When you leave church, the unclean spirit's coming back home. If you leave church and the the demon still has the keys to your house, your heart. Guess what? He don't care that you go to church because he's coming back to get comfortable and watch Sunday afternoon football with you. Pass the chips. You cannot change if you constantly allow ungodly thoughts to re enter your. Mine, Jesus said you need a strong man on the inside of the house. A strong man that is stronger on the inside than the demon that is at the door. And so the strong man, which is Christ, which is the Word of God, which is the Spirit of God, when you get the strong man in the house, that strong man is going to expel ungodly thoughts and ungodly attitudes. The strong man is going to kick the thing. I've got to decide that I'm going to control what I allow in the house of my heart. Excuse me. That means there's going to be some sources I'm going to cut off. There's going to be some things that I cut off. There might even be some people that I cut off. Right? Okay. You got to have a spiritual transformation. And if you don't, I'm talking about the idea of replacement. If you kick the the, the demon out of the house, if you kick the thoughts, Lord, help me not think. If you have this defensive posture, Lord, I'm going to quit thinking bad thoughts. I'm going to quit thinking negative thoughts. But if you leave the house empty, it does you no good. You got to replace those thoughts uh, with some positive thoughts thoughts. You got to replace that activity. Listen, if you're struggling with drinking, you cannot just say, I'm going to stop drinking and then sit around every Friday night and Saturday night and just be lonely and quiet and alone. If you don't replace that time with something else, the strong man's going to move right back in. Hear me. If you're struggling with pornography, you cannot just sit around on your phone at eleven o'clock at night. That's dumb, with a capital B. You, you're gonna you're gonna fall right back in. The strong man's gonna come right back in the house. You got to replace that with some other activity. You got to put some hedges of protection. If you're struggling with sexual immorality, it, it you, you you are foolish if you just think I can stop this. I'm, I'm gonna stop this. I'm not gonna do it again. That is is very immature thinking. Spiritually mature thinking says, listen, I'm trying to move this strong man out of the house. If I don't move a stronger man into the house, uh, some commitment, some consecration, some new thoughts, uh, some Christ-like character, some Christ-like behavior, if I don't do something productive with my time, then the the old demon's going to come back and it's going to be worse. Everybody all right? And that's what Paul deals with. Some of you are struggling because you're thinking, you're looking at the front side of that paper. You're like, man, he's not even on the back side of the paper yet. We got like 13 more minutes left. <laughs> they the, the the apostle Paul deals with this in the next verse. When in verse nine. He says, tr- trust me, I may only be on the first page of the paper, but I'm well more than halfway through my notes. The last page goes a little faster. Paul it was dealing with this in the next verse after Philippians 4.8 and 4.9 when he says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. In other words, all the things that Christ and I have taught you, that's what you need to have in your life. And if you do these things, the peace, the God of peace shall be with you. In other words, there's going to be a stronger man come in the house that's going to overpower the, the demonic thoughts or the ungodly or the negative behaviors that you're struggling with. So what are some thoughts that we should think? That's really what we're talking about in this series, mind control. What are some thoughts? How can I control my mind? What are some thoughts that I should think? Paul gives us the answer right there in Philippians 4.8. He says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, everybody say truth. We've got to think truthful thoughts. If we'll think truthful thoughts, if we'll embrace truthful thoughts, truthful thoughts will keep our life on target. Truthful thoughts will keep our life pointed toward the mark that God is calling us to. True, what does that mean? Literally, sincere. Uh, is true. Uh, r- words and thoughts that rest in reality. True. Literally, something that is not hidden, not concealed, but something that is true. We must rely on the truth of God's Word. We must rely on the truth of who God is. You and I must think thoughts that are truth-filled thoughts. Fill your mind with truth. If you fill your mind with truth, there's going to be less room in the house for other things to occupy. Fill your mind with truth. Jesus is the ultimate example here. Jesus personified truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the way and the truth. Uh, Life presents us constantly with, with choices of truth or falsehoods. Every day we encounter choices of truth or falsehoods. We've got to choose truth. Truth. Where do we find truth? Truth is the revealed word of God. Jesus said, sanctify them. Your word is truth in John 17. Your word is truth. His word is truth. Now, I don't want to get down, I don't have time to get down another rabbit trail here tonight, but but there's... We've got to be, make sure that our prayer life is anchored in the Word of God. We've got to make sure that our meditations are anchored in the Yes, meditations. That's not some Eastern religion idea. The Bible tells us that we're to meditate on the Word of God. That's a biblical concept, a biblical principle to meditate on the Word of God. But when I'm meditating, I'm not, I'm, I'm meditating on the, the revealed Word of God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sitting in the lotus position, hmm, trying to get him to reveal something new to me. Is there anything I haven't seen yet? No. <laughs> Truth is I'm meditating on the revealed word of God. If you're on a quest, I have seen people through years, through well over two decades of ministry, I have seen so many people that get on a constant quest for some crazy idea or nugget or theology or idea or concept. And almost without fail, if that person does not curb that desire to get something out there that they can't get in here or something out there that nobody in their life has ever seen but them, that person becomes very susceptible to false doctrine. very susceptible. And more often than not, the majority of the time, that person, if they don't curb that will fall prey to false doctrine. Keep rooted in truth. Guard your mind in truth. What we're doing here tonight, this is how we do it. Responding to biblical teaching keeps us in the the truth. Hiding the word of God, Psalm 119. How can it... Cleanse his way by taking heed to your word with my whole heart. Have I sought you, O Lord? O Lord, let not me wonder. Uh, Let me not wonder from what your commandments. These are the. Let me not wonder from your commandments. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you want to have some some spiritual mind control, then let the word, let the revealed word of God be your truth uh, truth it's universal truth is not situational truth is not personal you don't get your own interpretation of gravity gravity is truth it's the same truth for everybody Matthew twenty two sixteen. 16 and he sent them and they sent him their disciples the Herodians saying teacher we know that you are true teach us the way of God in truth nor do you care about anyone, uh, for you do not regard the person of men. What they're saying is, Jesus, we have seen that you teach what is true, and you don't cater your truth to this person or that person or another person. You teach what is true. That's what we're going to do here. That's what I'm going to try to do every weekend and week out is teach what is true true. Don't cater to this one, to that one, to this idea, to that idea. I'm going to teach and believe what is true. That's what drew them to Jesus. They said, you just call it like it is. Sometimes when we say, man, he called it like it is, what we're meaning is he got a little on our toes. <laughs> but we need to call it like it is in the word of God. That's how we think truthful thoughts. Paul called the church at Galatia to reject error in Galatians 1, 6. He's six. He said, you're, uh, you're turning away so soon. He said, I marvel. I'm stunned that you're turning away so soon. He, he, there, there's people perverting the gospel and causing trouble. He said, in verse 8, the weird an angel from heaven preach any other gospel or truth to you than that which we preach. Let him be accursed. The last days we know in 2 Timothy are going to be characterized by a departure from Truth, he, he said there's going to be perilous times come. Men are going to be lovers of pleasure and themselves and proud and blasphemous and disobedient to parents and unthankful and unholy and without natural affection. Truth breakers, on and on and on and on. He said they're going to stray from truth. We've got to stay our minds on the truth of God's word. Focus on truth in all situations. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let the truth of God's word guide you through every day of your life. If I believe a lie, the minute I begin to believe a lie, Satan gets a stronghold in my mind. I've got to exercise some mind control. I've got to let truth-filled thoughts fill my mind. We've got to let honest thoughts fill our mind. Whatsoever things are honest, that's the next statement he makes in that verse in Philippians 4, eight. Honest thoughts. Embracing honesty. Keeps my character on track. Right. Honesty. Uh, literally dignified or honorable or worthy of reverence. It's it's a combination of gravity and seriousness and, and dignity. Honesty. It, it's with regard for high character or revered. It's the same word there. Uh, honest thoughts. Whatsoever things are honest it's the same word that Paul used in 1 Timothy 3 when he described the requirements for deacons. He said it's got to be honest. So think of the person you admire the most, more than anybody else, someone who is of the highest possible spiritual character, someone who you look up to, someone who you esteem spiritually and ask yourself in some situations, is this something they would say? Is this something they would do? Honest Thoughts. Jesus, of course, is the ultimate example of honesty. He's honest in life and teaching, and, and, and here he's, he, he's giving us this example, Hebrews 13, 8. The writer of Hebrews says, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience. Honesty, honest things are thoughts of a good conscience or thoughts of nobility, thoughts of integrity. You know what integrity refers to? Integrity refers to the consistency of a thing. So if a beam has integrity, the strength that is on the outer layer is is the same strength that is on the inner layer and all the way through. But if a beam lacks integrity, it may be strong here, but it's weak there, there, and there. Integrity is the consistency of strength or character in my life. That's what honesty is referring to, Honest thoughts i 've got to think honest thoughts. This is the opposite of what the the Pharisees thought. They were prideful in their thoughts they weren 't honest with themselves it 's the opposite of what the Sadducees and how they thought they, they were they were doubtful in their thoughts. Uh, honest thoughts are faithful thoughts they 're humble thoughts. How do we keep thinking on? this level. It's impossible without Jesus Christ. Uh, There's nothing good, Romans says, there's nothing good in my flesh. In my flesh and in your flesh is no good thing. (laughs) I try to do good, Romans says, Romans 7, 18, and the will is present, but how to perform the good, I don't find it. I can't figure out how to do good. I I need the help of of God. How do we get the help of God? With the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And then he answers the question, we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Because we have the word of Christ and we have the spirit of Christ. And he says, think on these things. Finally, just thoughts. Whatsoever things are just Embracing the just one keeps us in touch with others. Uh, just, it's, it's righteous. It's, it's, it just refers to righteous relations between God and man and righteous relations between man and man. It's righteously observing divine laws. It's guiltless thoughts. It's, it's a way of thinking and acting that conforms to the will of God. It, it, it's you might think when you hear the term uh, justice or the scales of justice, you think of the the blindfolded woman that has no regard for who's in front of her. But she's got a, a scale and two bowls on the scale, and and, and that just re- refers to when when the weight on this side is equaled out to the weight on that side, and and the scale is just. It's centered. The way I allow my thought life to be just is I let his word be on one end of the scale of my life and all my thoughts on the other. And until that is just, until that matches up, I've got to keep striving. And how many know that's a daily battle? You're never going to fix it and forget it. It's going to be a daily battle to have just thoughts in my mind. The Lord wants all of his people to be just. We, we're not to pervert justice according to Deuteronomy 16, 19. You shall not pervert justice, but you shall show no partiality or take a bribe uh, or Bribe blind eyes of the wise and twist the words of the righteous. A righteous person says this, but you twist it to mean something else. <laughs> or somebody doesn't see, so you're okay getting away. That's not just. We gotta think just thoughts. Now, raise your hand if you have ever taken a bribe before to do something wrong. <laughs> Nobody. It's exactly what I thought. Nobody. And if, and, if, and if you were... If you were unrighteous enough to take a bribe, then you're not going to raise your hand. I did not expect any hands to go up unless there was perhaps a sarcastic young person that wasn't sleeping that would lift their hand. Um, A bribe. We'd never take a bribe, right? But a a, a bribe is a gift of inducement or persuasion or money. A, A bribe is not necessarily money. It's not somebody giving you $500 to go tell this lie. Sometimes a bribe is another form of persuasion. A bribe can come in the form of loyalty. A bribe can come in the form of friendship. A bribe can come in the form of the hell they're going to make you pay if you don't do what they want you to do. And sometimes we say, I'd never take a thousand dollars to go commit sin. I'd never do that, right? But, but sometimes we allow other people in our life, their actions, their attitudes that are not just, that are not righteous, that are not pure, that are not holy. We allow them to influence our thoughts and our behavior and our, our, our actions in our life because we allow their influence over us to shape those things. That don't, don't, don't take that bribe. Make sure that you are thinking just thoughts and living a just life that so no matter how if if I if I do what is right you're going to mistreat me but but I'm going to do what's right anyway because whether you mistreat me or not I am going to do just things I'm going to live a just life I'm going to think just thoughts justice just I mean we, we cry in our world for fairness injustice, but the reality is our world is the epitome of the exact opposite. God is a just God. And, 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 and some may think, well, how could, how could a God of love and mercy, the God who shed his blood that you preached about on Sunday, Pastor, when we preached about communion, how could that God send anybody to hell? How could that God send anybody to eternal torment? One day the Bible tells us that this just God This God of mercy and justice will judge. This God of the universe, he will judge all things. God's just. He cannot overlook evil. It was God's love that sent him to Calvary. As Jesus Christ was crucified on that tree, he did it that you and I might escape hell. To reject his love is to reject his plan for your life. To reject God's love is to reject his purpose for your life. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves to hell. By our rejection of His love and His justice. Uh, God, you know, this world is unjust. I hate to break it to you, but in this life, sometimes the hero in the white cape and the white hat doesn't always win. Sometimes in this life, the good guys lose. Sometimes in this life the 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 villain with the black hat and the black cape sometimes it's the villain that wins in this life there is injustice but one day just 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 wait just wait you're not called to right every wrong i'm not called to be a christian crusader writing all the ills and all the wrongs and injustices of culture if you've made that your life mission You're going to miss the mark and you're going to miss a lot of people that you're supposed to reach what I am called to do is live my life in such a just manner and interact with everybody in my life in such a just manner that somebody who is living unjustly, the Bible says in Peter that God loves those that live unjustly. He still loves them. That somebody living unjustly looks at my life and says, hey, I want what he has. I want what she has. I want the God that that they have because there is a life Stand together with me. How do we do this? David prayed this prayer. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Our words can say anything that we want. Charles Spurgeon said, our words are a mockery if our heart doesn't meditate on them. I can come to church and I can just say words, but if I'm not, allowing Christ to control my mind. By 2 Corinthians, casting down imaginations, every wicked thing and all the high things that exalt itself. I've got to cast those things out. But the way I cast those out is not just trying to be defensive and say no. I've got to say, I'm going to put some other thoughts in my life. I'm going to replace those thoughts. If you're struggling in one area, get you two or three scriptures that deal with that area. And every time you have that struggle, read those scriptures that's how you kick the demon out of the house. And that's how you get the strong man to come in. You say, nope, that I'm not going to do that. I'm going to think truthful thoughts. And the best way to think truthful thoughts is to read what the Word of God says to that. Uh, about. The best way to think honest thoughts is to read what the Word of God says about that. The best way to think just filled thoughts is, is I'm going to read what the Word of God says about it. Somebody lift up your voice to the Lord right now. Let's commit our minds.